So I want you to, I want you to catch something here. I want to start out with something that I think is, is pretty important to me. Um, and um, I hope after I explain this that you, you don't think I'm a total wacko, okay? Um, I know you all have questions about me anyway, but um, I want to tell you something that I've started to believe. And I, I think probably because I got a little bit of uh, miles on me, you know, when you reach your 30s, you learn some things. Um, and I, I think over the years, uh, there's been something that I've started to notice and start to believe a little bit. And when I was younger, I probably would have wrote this stuff off. And uh, it kind of bothers me that there's probably a lot of stuff that I wrote off that would have been really, really good for me. Um, but I, I've started to believe in my life, and, and if you believe something different, that's totally okay. But for me, I've, I've, I've started to learn that there are sometimes strange and unusual, and, and they're almost brief, momentarily experiences that we have in life, and if you, if you catch it when it happens, you will learn that God can take those things and he can shape you for the rest of your days from that moment. And, and they don't happen as many times as people say they happen. Um, I think they're very, very rare, but man, we are fools if we dismiss that possibility that's happened in our life. And they happen like that and they're gone, but God uses them to teach and to mold us into his plan for our life. I, I remember um, when, my, when my dad died, he had been unconscious in a bed for about five, six days. So there was no communication going on at all. And um, you're all, if you've been in that setting, you're always kind of wondering, you know, can they hear us and, and those kinds of things. And my dad loved to listen to Frank Sinatra music, okay? He grew up in that era, and that was his thing, man. And so we found some uh, Sinatra music, and we, we put it all together, and we put it on a device and put it right by his bed, and we softly played Sinatra music for hours and hours and hours before he died. Um, we we kind of felt, you know, if he can hear, he'd probably rather hear Frank than any of us yahoos. And so he listened to Sinatra music um, until he died. And so it was a number of months later, and my wife and I were searching for a car. Uh, her car had worn out, and she needed a new car. And so we found this car we really liked, man. We tried it out, and, man, it was it. And she loved it, and I loved it. And so let's do it. And it was just a little a little bit more money than what we were ready to spend. And so we were kind of uncomfortable with that. And um, we were both kind of discouraged about it because we really wanted that car, but it was just, we just can't do that. And so we, we were talking about that. And I said to her over lunch one day, I said, you know what? I said, you took care of my dad like he was your own dad. That's how you treated my dad. And so I'm gonna take some of the inheritance money that we got, and we didn't get a lot, but we had a little bit. I'm gonna take some of that inheritance money, I'm gonna, I'm gonna help buy that car. And she says, no, no, no. I said, yeah, we're gonna do that. We're gonna do that, because I know my dad, and if I don't do it, he's probably gonna come back and haunt me. So uh, we're gonna do that. And so we went back and we bought that car. And we're driving off the lot of that car, and I'm in my car, and she's in her, her new car, and um, we get off the lot. And I mean, it is not, 
I'm not a hundred yards out of the lot, and my phone rings, and it's my wife calling me. And I thought, what's she calling me for? We just talking to each other 90 seconds ago. I, I know she's got this, man, but can you leave me alone for just a little bit? And uh, she calls me, and so I answer the phone. I said, what? You know what? And she's crying. What are you crying about? She goes, well, I started the car, and the radio was on. It's got that serious radio, and it's on Frank Sinatra's station. He's singing my way. Now, that might be a coincidence, okay? That might be a coincidence. I don't think we ever know for sure if it is. But for me, I have thought about that over and over and over the last few years. And I've come to the conviction that maybe God was reminding me, you know, when life gets a little heavy and things are a little rough, um, he knows everything's going on and he's always with me. And a little brief moment shaped my view of how God knows about our life. Now, I might get to heaven someday and God says, dude, I didn't even like Sinatra. I don't know, but that's kind of how I'm taking it. That same kind of thing happened to us one night as a, a young married couple, I mean, a thousand years ago, and we, were, um, we didn't have kids back then, and so we were gonna take a weekend, we were gonna go back and visit our parents, and so we left on a late Friday night, we were going back to our hometown, we lived about three, four hours away, and we were coming into town, it was late at night, we went through an incredible storm, man, it was a terrible storm, and it knocked out power everywhere, there was no power anywhere at all, and it was really eerie, man, we were coming into town, um, if you're familiar where I live, which you probably don't. Uh, we got off on Gilbert Street, heading south, and um, there, are, there are no lights anywhere, man. And because of the storm, there's no stars, there's no moon, um, it's late, there's no cars out, no headlights. I mean, it was eerie. It was really eerie. And it was like total darkness, and we're getting off uh, the exit there, and we're just kind of going down this road real slow. And I saw down on the horizon over to the right, there was a glow. And there was something through the mist and the, the, the rain and everything. There was just this glow. And as we got closer, it got, it got brighter and brighter. And when we finally arrived to where the glow was, I mean, it was like the darkness had expelled. And, and it was like we were now able to be in the light. And we, we saw what it was. And Calvary Baptist Church in Georgetown, Illinois, around Georgetown area, had obviously bought stock in generators. And the whole place was lit up like a Christmas tree. And I remember looking at Susan, and I said to her, right there, baby, right there, the church is the light of the world. And I have never forgot that moment. I've never forgot that moment. I believe that moment shaped me. I really do. As a young man of God, I remember it like it was yesterday. This young pastor being shaped by the hand of God at that point. And that is where I'm at even on this day, all these years later, that I believe that God's church is to penetrate a dark world. I believe that's why we're here. And I've never been able to shake that mission. I've never been able to lose that passion that that is what we're supposed to be. And that's why this teaching series that we're walking through this month is a pretty big deal. 
It's a big deal to me personally. I hope it is to you. How can Eastside Christian Church shine in the midst of a deepening darkness? How can we do that, gang? How can we take our city? How can we take our region? How can we implant the character of God into a culture of disobedience all around us? How can we influence values and behaviors? How can we replace despair with hope? How can we get people heading to heaven instead of hell? Man, that is a burning passion in my heart, and I know for many of you it is too. How do you do that? I mean, really, how do you do that? The church is not supposed to be just this place where we get together, you know, once in a while. Man, it is to take our cities and our regions and our states and our world. How in the world can we do that? Well, that's why this model in the book of Acts is so important that we introduced last week. Because we go back to when it all started in the city of Jerusalem. And we're described for that event from Acts chapter two to Acts chapter seven. And we find out that they did that. It happened, man, it really happened. And it just makes sense to me that if we can dive into that and we can see what Luke told us about it when he wrote, that just maybe we can bring some of that stuff here. And you and I can really see that happen in our lifetime. And I know some of you might have been in church for years and years in your life, and you've heard things like this, and it's just all kind of smoking shadows to you, man. Everybody talks about that. But what would happen if it really occurred? What would happen if Eastside Christian Church took this city? In my view, the only way that's gonna happen is if what happened in Jerusalem happens here. And so we're walking through that over four or five weeks here in our church, and uh, we wanna see if we can replicate some of that. And what you're gonna end up with when we're all done with this series, if the Lord hadn't returned by then, you're gonna find out that there were five very specific things that happened in Jerusalem that caused them to take their city. And I just, I just wanna see if some of those can happen here. Now, this is really important for you to understand, just kind of a, a, a thing to comprehend a little bit before we jump into what I wanna talk about uh, this evening, is I, I said we're gonna look at five of them, but numbers three, four, and five is when they started to take the city. This, this is really important, don't miss this. So next weekend and the weekend after that and the weekend after that, we're gonna find out how the believers in Jerusalem, I mean, they took the place for the cause of Christ. But listen, they only did it because the first two happened. The first two were foundational. They were set the stage for them to be able to take the city. If the first two never happened, three, four, and five would have never even been thought about. The first two are critical. And so we began last week and we kind of unfolded the very first aspect of taking your city. And I'm not gonna re-preach it. I'm not gonna re-preach it. If you didn't hear it, man, I hope you get on online and listen to it. I don't have the energy to preach that again, okay? If you were here, you all know what I'm talking about. I, I don't have that again. But what we talked about was this right here, is they got some players, that's what this started. It was the foundation, okay? This is big, don't, don't miss this. 
And players were people who understood through a conviction in their heart, okay, that they were the reason that Jesus died, that their sin killed Jesus. And they came under such a conviction about that that they chose to change the ways of their life to bring him glory, and they sealed it in Christian baptism, and they became players, they became players. And we challenged you last week to ask yourself, really, are you a player? Because a player never gets over this idea that my sin put him on a cross, me. And when you're a player, you never get over that. Now watch this, watch this. We said this last week, and it was a tad offensive, but we're gonna carry it on throughout the whole series, is that if a person tries to live for Jesus and tries to follow God and tries to be a good person but doesn't have the conviction, okay? They just don't have that in them that they're responsible for the death of Christ. They never end up being a player. What do they end up being? An imposter. There are imposters all around us, all the time. And imposters never take cities. Only players do. So that's, that's the establishment of the first part of the foundation that happened in Jerusalem. Okay, how are we gonna take our city? We, we gotta have some players. Now the second foundation fuels onto that, and you're gonna see that today as we break into the text because the second foundation begins to jump in on this idea, and that is that they began to build a team. That they began with players, and those players then became a team. Now, I'm gonna gonna show you this here in a minute, and we're gonna open up the text, and we're gonna look at it, but when you open up chapter two of Acts, and by now you all know that, That's, you, you understand all that. Acts 2 is where it all happened in Jerusalem. And you're gonna find out from verse one in Acts 2 all the way through verse 41, almost the whole second chapter is about getting some players. That's what it's about. And then the 41st verse, man, 3,000 of them cut to the heart, baptized, changed their life. They are players. Now listen very carefully. Then verse 42 happens. And at verse 42, there's nothing that happens between 41 and 42. There's no time gap in there. There's nothing else that occurs. It is immediate from 41 to 42. Somebody say immediate. Immediately at verse 42, they start to build themselves into a team, and a team is called a church. And so I was super tempted when I wrote this thing. In fact, I've got it in my, my notes right here, being super tempted just to make this statement and let's just leave, okay? And the statement is this. Everybody check this out. Players are part of a team. You cannot do Jesus without the church. That's called an imposter. Players are part of a team. They're part of the church. And Luke begins, immediately began to describe these newfound players and how they became the church. And he tells us from 42 through the end of the chapter, 
some of the things that happened to them as a church. So with all of that, uh, somebody say, man, that was a long introduction. With all of that, let me start reading in verse 42, and I want to read five or six verses where he described. Now remember, they just became players, and immediately they're on the team. They're on the team. So verse 42, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. And everyone was filled with awe and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together, had everything in common, selling their possessions and goods. They gave to anyone as he had need and every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. So it's interesting that Luke, who's writing this, pauses after the critical foundation of becoming a player. Not an imposter. We're not going to play games. And immediately, he talks about the team. He talks about building the team and the things they did as a part of the church. So there's no being a player outside of the church. Now, there's all kinds of descriptions of what they did as a church. Um, and we don't have time, it's not our purpose to go through all of them. I just think there's a lot of things in there that are, are just kind of fascinating that I'll, I'll just briefly mention. Relationships were a big thing for them. So they had a lot of great relationships with each other. They took care of each other. If somebody had a need, I mean, people became aware of it and they took care of it. They just, they just met the need. They got together and ate each, in each other's homes all the times. They, they never ate meatloaf. It's right there in the Greek. You probably can't see it, but it's right there in the Greek. But they met together and had dinner in each other's homes. It was a place of joy and gladness. It felt fun and happy to be there. We, we've had an opportunity over the last um, five or six weeks, my wife and I, while on break, to visit all kinds of churches. And people ask from time to time, what'd you do, man? Were you on the beach or on a golf course? It's what we really try to do a lot. We try to go to a whole lot of churches. We really do. You think, man, I'm glad I'm not in your family. But that's what we would do. And we would see that there's all kinds of different churches. There really are. Man, there, there's churches that have different music, okay? Which, by the way, I... I haven't found anybody has what we have. There's all kinds of music in different places, and there's all kinds of different styles of teaching the Word of God, and all kinds of different looking buildings, and all kinds of different numbers of people in church. I mean, we just didn't see any churches where that's exactly like the other one. But you know what they all had? Every one of them is when you walked in, it was a fresh air of grace and enjoyment. We noticed that in every single church that we went, that it was a place where it was, man, that's where I want to be. I want to be a part of that. And we find out in Jerusalem, that's what they had going on there. People wanted to be there. There was a sense, as you read the text, that they were unified in the big things. 
Now, that doesn't mean that they had disagreements on things that really didn't matter, okay? They probably had some crazy Kentucky fans there too, okay? They weren't agreeing in everything, but when it mattered, listen to this, when it mattered, they were together. They were together. I mean, I just kind of read through that and, and, and tried to dive into some of those things that we don't have time uh, to look at. And what just struck me is, you know, we got enough stress in this world, don't we, huh? This world's crazy enough, man. And, and, and there's enough stuff that'll beat you up and knock you down and suck the life out of you. And everybody needs a place where you can go and you can just refuel, man. And you can be built up and you can enjoy it and you can come together and unite. And God made the church for that. He made the church for that. That's what the church is. But as I look at how Luke describes this second foundation of building a team, and I look at all the descriptions, he said, you know, they were doing this, they were like that, and all the things we've talked about in others. The one that obviously Luke held up here is the one I want you to see. He held it up, he talked more about it than anything else. It was the first thing that came out of his mouth from the baptistry to this. And it was the characteristic of players. Hear me on this. They gathered together to worship God on a regular basis. They did what you're doing right now. That's what they did. And Luke says, for the first thing, the very first thing, that's what made them a team is they came together on a regular basis to worship the Father who would prepare them to take the city. So I wanna talk about that for just a minute. I wanna talk about how important it is for you to be here if you're a player, how important it is for you to be a part of the team. The Bible says, as you saw when I read it, it says they were devoted to this. They were devoted to what you're doing right now. The word is devotion. Now, I, I wanna apologize because I know sometimes I, I might bring up things that you know, probably really don't matter in the grand scheme of things, and sometimes I'll key in on a word that I think is important and may not be, so I apologize for that, but I, I want you to hear this. The reason I do that is because there are times in which there's something about the way they wrote it or the word they used that, that meant something, and we just, we just can't miss that. The word devoted is a word that means this. It means to be strong. That's the actual word that he used. It, it is a word that could be translated, they were strong. Sometimes it's a word that means hard, like something like concrete. And so when Luke talks about these people, and, and I don't know how, <laughs> rather than to yell, that you, you make sure you catch this. The minute, the minute, the minute they became players, they understood that the gathering together in worship was something for them that would make them strong. It'd make them hard. And so they were devoted to it. They were absolutely devoted to it. 
I, I think there's a, a bit, if you, if you really think about it, a figurative sense of that. It meant that it was important to them. It was super important. It received the highest level of attention to them. It wasn't something they just kind of put in their spare time. It, it was hard. It was strong. They were devoted to it. It was of the utmost importance. And you probably have some things in your life like that, okay? We probably all have little quirky things that for us, we are devoted to it. We couldn't imagine not doing that. I had a conversation with a young staff member recently, I'm not gonna tell you who it was, and we were talking about money, and I mentioned to them that I balance my checkbook uh, every Friday in my life. Every Friday I sit down, I balance my checkbook. And sometimes I'll do it during the week because I enjoy doing it. I just, it's just kind of me. I am absolutely devoted to it. I can't imagine not doing that and knowing where I'm at financially. And I asked this, this young person, how much money do you have in your account? Do you know how much? And they said, I don't have any idea. I guess the bank will let me know if I'm ever you know, out of it. And I can't even imagine that world. I can't, I can't even imagine what that world would be like because it's something I'm devoted to it, okay? Now, my, my sweet wife's not here tonight, so I'll say this about her. Um, she is devoted um, before she would ever walk out of the house and make a public appearance to your dog that she would have her hair and makeup all did, okay? She can't even imagine what it would be like to walk out with that. Why? Because she is absolutely devoted to it. Now, you got all kinds of things in your life that if you thought about it, you'd say, yeah, that's in the devotion category. That's where, where that is. And what we find out is the moment, the moment they became players, they were devoted to this. They were absolutely devoted to what you're doing. They couldn't imagine a life without this. Now, what Luke does, and this is where different languages help us a little bit, all languages kind of do this, what the Greeks would often do is they could take a prefix, and if you don't know what a prefix is, ask your four-year-old, they'll, they'll explain that to you. So a prefix can be something that you put on the front of a word, and it then either changes the word, but more than likely, it kind of ups it, it kind of gives it a different angle. And Luke took the word devoted, and he put a prefix on it, and the prefix has an element of time duration on it, which means they were devoted to this and they were going to be devoted to this, how long do you think? Forever. There wasn't a, okay, we're gonna try it out for a few months and then, you know, we're gonna kind of go do our own thing or, you know, we're gonna kind of give it a shot and then we'll probably, you know, something will happen, become more important, we're gonna kind of do that for a while or this going on in my life. No, they were absolutely devoted over the duration of time. Getting together to worship is not only important, it will be forever for them. And they're not gonna drift away over time of this essential element in their faith. Now, I, I want you to let me get under your grill for a second. And for many of you, this will not apply to you. I hope that when you hear it, it will just affirm that you're on the right track. Don't fall off the track. But some of you need to hear this. And I'm gonna kind of ease under your grill. For our online people, there are people that you're online because you need to be, you need to be. Thank you for being here. But online people, please don't write me off. Online people, please hear me. 
Some of you need to be here. And there's no reason in the world why you shouldn't be here. And when you look at what happens in chapter two, when you study what is going on in this particular case, I want you to hear this, that sometimes players end up becoming imposters and sometimes churches never take their cities because they faded away from the devotion of worshiping the king together with the team. Anybody hear that? And so if that's you, and you might be here in this room right now, and you're hearing how vitally important this is, and this isn't just a preacher tonight making up something that's saying you need to go to church. That's not what it is. It is explaining what happened in Jerusalem. And so if we're gonna, we're gonna see that happen here, then our players have to be with the team. Now, I, I hope you notice when we read that Luke actually gave us a little bit of an idea of um, some things they did when they got together. And so he outlined some of those things. In fact, he talked about four things. They were devoted to be together, and when they were together, these were the four things they were gonna do. Apostles' teaching, that's a sermon. It doesn't mean that I'm apostle. It does not mean that at all, I'm not. It means the teaching of the apostles' teachings of the word of God, that's what that means. They were devoted to being here to experience the fellowship. That's our friendships, that's greeting each other, that's being with each other, that's taking care of each other, that's spending time with each other. They were devoted to the breaking of bread, that's communion, what we did together, and they were devoted to prayer. Those four things is what happened that they could not imagine walking with Christ without getting together and doing those things on a regular basis. Now, let me say something here just from a teaching aspect. I don't think, and most of the scholars' works that I read would agree with that, I don't think that that is an exhaustive list of everything that they did. I think he just mentioned some of the things that were more important, and he mentioned those four. You notice there's nothing together that they got together and sang. There's nothing in there about music. But we know later from other places in the Bible that music and worship was a big deal to them, but Luke didn't mention it. There's nothing in there about offering. It's kind of hinted at in an area where they're gonna help each other out and take care of things, but there's nothing in there about bringing your offering. And I'm telling you, it's in the Bible. I've read it, it's there many times, but it's not there. It's like what Luke is trying to say, is there some things that are really important? They're non-negotiables when we get together, but it doesn't mean other things don't happen. There's freedom in the Bible about what a church could do when we gather together. We went to a church in Nashville about four or five weeks ago, and we walked up, and we thought it was the coolest thing in the world. We walked up to this church, um, had this beautiful kind of outside building area, and right at the front door when you came in, they had an old Volkswagen uh, van. Anybody remember those old Volkswagen vans? They had one that they retrofitted and redid it, and it had these spigots coming out of the van all over, and you could go up there, it was absolutely free, and you would get iced 
coffee of any flavor you wanted, vanilla, caramel, whatever you wanted, you would get that, and you took it in there, and all these people have an iced coffee. I don't even know if they were Buddhist, but I might have joined if I hadn't had a church. I thought that was the coolest thing. Is that okay? Yeah, there's freedom in those kinds of things. The Bible doesn't tell us everything that has to happen in there. It doesn't say that. Our, our management team visited a church a few years ago where up near the entrance they'd put one of those axe-throwing um, contraptions, and so before you came into church, you threw, threw an axe at a board. I don't know if we're going to do that one because I know some of you hillbillies, and, and I don't think we're going to do that. But the church is a place where we ought to bring together enjoyment and it feels good to be here and there's a breath of fresh air and we're devoted to being here. There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with that at all. And we try really hard to do that here at Eastside. But Luke said, Luke said, but man, there's some things that you gotta be serious about. And if you're gonna be a player and come together on a regular basis to equip you to take your city, there's some, for, there's some things that are really high up here. Now, I haven't really been looking forward to doing what I'm gonna do with you here in a minute. I know it's the right thing, but I, I, I hate doing what I'm gonna share with you because I need to confess to you some fault of mine is... I, I looked at those four things and I said, okay, are those happening at Eastside? Are we making those happen at Eastside? And sometimes, gang, when I, when I write a sermon, um, you might think that I'm here to teach you something. And what happens to me on a number of occasions is that God used it just to straighten me out on something. And that happened to me this week. And I'm understanding the gist of Acts 2. This is the foundation, man. You gotta have players who get together to worship the king. Yeah, that just, that helps you then to take the city. I, I get all that. I get the things that's gotta happen in here, okay? And I went through that list. It struck me that I don't think we pray as we should. And that's on me. That's on me. And I'm not sure that I have led well in us being a place where prayer is emphasized as highly as it should be when we gather. I mean, you think about this, okay? And what I've asked us to take a month to do is, man, let's go back to Jerusalem and see what happened. And, man, let's pick it up and let's make it happen here. And let's take this city, man. Let's make it happen. And so now we picked something up from Jerusalem and we brought it here. And we said, this is foundational, man. Players are in church. Players are in church. And I look at it. And there's a part of church that I have not led well. And we pray. Um, sometimes we pray at the start of our service and sometimes maybe Aquila will pray during a song or, and we pray at communion and almost always end our sermon and pray so it's not like we don't pray. But we don't pray. If Luke evaluated what happens at Eastside Christian Church every weekend and he said, man, here's the biggies. Here's the biggies, man. This is what's happening. 
I don't think he would say anything about prayer. And so I'm going to fix that today. And I'm going to introduce an idea to us as a church. I've run it through some people that I love and I trust to make sure that I'm not in wacko land on something. And, and I've received some affirmation from that. And um, we're going to start doing something here. And I don't know that we'll do it every time we're together. We probably won't. But we're going to do it often. And I, I think that maybe over time we will become known for this. And I, I hope so. But I want to introduce you to something that I call a prayer point. I want you to see that for a second. <laughs> we like points here, don't we, at each side, okay? I don't know what it is, but we like points, okay? Pathway has four points. You know, we got mission point out there. We got guest point out there. We, we like points at our church, okay? And, and I always joke about this. We put an E on the end of our point because we're the cool kids, okay? Not everybody has an E on the end of their point. We do. So we like points here. So I thought about prayer point. Now, what, what, is the, what is a prayer point? Here's what a prayer point will be. It will be a single, specific, big ticket item that we're going to ask God to do for us in absolute intentional prayer. And we're not just gonna have somebody come up and pray about something. That's not what that's going to be. We're going to involve everybody in the room whenever we do a prayer point. And I want to show, show you what I mean, because tonight I want to show you what a prayer point is. I'm going to show you how we're all going to do it and just kind of introduce this. And in the spirit of our series of Taking the City, here's what our prayer point is on this weekend that we are going to ask God to do this for us. And here's what it is. We're going to ask God to plant strong Christian influence in important circles, secular circles of our surrounding communities. What does that mean? We want God to take Christian influences, people, and we want him, we're asking him to put them in very significant areas that can shape our culture. It might be a Christian who gets elected to a school board. It might be a Jesus lover who's promoted to a leadership position in a large company. It might be someone with the heart of God getting a seat in city government. It might be one of our high school kids earning the starting quarterback role or the lead role in a spring play. God can work all that out. What we're saying is that what we're going to ask him to do is that years down the road, months down the road, that there will be strong presence, strong voices in critical parts of our communities because you and I ask God intentionally to take care of it. And that's what a prayer point is. And we're going to have them different times on different days for different focuses, but we're going to be a church that's going to begin this right now and heaven is going to hear about it. And God will respond to the prayers of his people, of his players. And here's how you're gonna be a part of that. I'm gonna ask you to do that right now. If you are able to, and I know some of you aren't able, and that's totally okay. You can do everything else right where you are. If you are able, in agreement with what we're gonna ask God to do, I want you to stand up with me right now. I want you to stand up. When we do prayer points, we're gonna stand if we can. Now, I'm gonna pray in a minute, and when I pray, you don't have to pray, but when I pray, 
very intentionally asking God to do this. I want you as an agreement to the prayer. The Bible talks a lot in, in the Bible about using the word amen. And what it means is I agree with that. And so what I want you to do when I pray, as a voice of you praying, I, I just want you to take your hand and I want you to extend it right up, okay? So like if you were pointing up right above me right now, he's gonna put it up there, that's the way you're doing. I'm gonna ask you to do that in a minute. Now here's the big thing. From now until when we get back next week, every time you think about praying, I want you to pray for that. Can you imagine? Come on, listen, listen. Anybody with me? Come on, listen to this. Can you imagine? Can you imagine heaven hearing from a thousand people for seven days that God would do that? And you and I will live long enough to see him do it. So prayer point, because that's important for us here at Eastside from this day on. Let's do it. Father God, we come before you right now as players. If you're a player, say amen. amen. We come before you right now, Father, as players. Not that we're anything at all. We're the one that puts your son on the cross. We are indebted to you. God, we're passionate about this world becoming your world, about lost people being found and saved. We're passionate about that. We're passionate about your values being upheld and not knocked down. We're passionate about our city belonging to you. We're, we're, we're intentional about that, Father. We long for that to happen. And so would you start raising up men and women right now who are players, people who belong to you, would you start raising them up and would you start putting them in positions where they have a voice and they have influence in a dark world? God, we just don't naturally have those things happen, but you can arrange the events. You know who needs to be placed where in our city, and we're asking that for you right now, Lord. Would you do it in all of our schools? Somebody say, come on, come on. God, will you get into our schools? Will you take over our companies and our businesses? Will you rise up our, our young people to have a voice with their lost friends? Would you have cities and governments not be able to make any decisions without the Christian voices around the table? God, we are intentionally asking you by your great power that you would make that happen. And we humbly pray it in the name of the one who came out of a tomb, Jesus. Everybody say Jesus, Jesus. It's in his name that we pray and all the people of God say, Amen. Now, it only works. It only works. Don't sit down yet. I'm not done, okay? I've always wanted to say that. <laughs> okay, it only works if you're gonna pray it until we come back, okay? Okay? Every time you think of this, you pray about this. Now, let me tell you something. I'm gonna let you go. I won't be long, so stay up if you will, okay? It'll be anticlimactic if you sit down, so stay up, okay? So... <laughs> So a while ago, I'm on an elliptical in my gym, okay? And I got one of those gyms that got TVs everywhere. That's to take your focus off your pay, okay? So always give me a TV. And I had the remote, and I'm trying to find something, and I came across an old Gaither video channel. If you know who the Gaithers are, raise your hand. You're going to heaven. Anybody's hands down here? 
It ain't looking good for you, okay? The Gaithers are the king of Southern gospel music years and years ago. And I came across a Gaither video on a TV in the middle of a community gym. And I'm, I'm watching it. And Bill Gaither is interviewing, and I wish I could remember his name. I can't remember his name. I can see him right now. If you're Southern Gospel, you know who I'm talking about. This guy was a million years old, okay? He's interviewing him. He's well-known all over the world. Um, he is dying of cancer. His days are number. And, and Bill Gaither is interviewing him, and then ask him if you could go back and change anything, would you change anything? And I'm watching this while I'm on this elliptical. And this guy starts getting the lip quivered. And he starts having some tears come down his face. And he talks in broken vocal cords. And he says to him, I don't think I would change anything. There's some things I probably could have done better. But God has been so, so good to me. Now I'm on this elliptical. You think I sweat now? Okay. I'm not good looking on an elliptical. And now I'm blubbering. And I'm, you know, I got stuff coming out in places. And, and I'm watching this. And man, it has got my heart. And this guy comes up next to me who has muscles where I don't even have places, okay? <laughs> and he grabs the remote and he says this to me. Hey, dude, you okay if I change the channel? <laughs> and I didn't tell him no because I know if we fought about it, I'd be with the old man here pretty quick. And so he changed the channel, and I got off the elliptical, not because I was tired, but because it tore my heart out that a young man was face to face with the goodness of God, and he missed it. Don't let that happen. And it won't if you're a player who's here. Have a great weekend.